Welcome to the AP Podcast. This is Mike Shea. We're back for a whole new season. And uh, we, our first guest is uh, Ronnie Radke, uh, lead singer, founding member of Falling in Reverse. Um, he is uh, on the cover of the uh, new issue of AP that is on stands this February. And uh, I, to start off the season, I'm just really thrilled that you're here. Oh, man. Um, I'm really excited and kind of starstruck uh, a little bit because... Starstruck? Yeah, I've always wanted to be on the cover of AP. Oh, okay. For a long time. Well, that's awesome. I've like, strived to be... I love the magazine for a long time, you know, so it's, you know, it's awesome. It's kind of cool. Um, and I know you just woke up, so I'll be gentle. Yeah. Uh, and keep that in mind. So it's all good. Um, you know, what's interesting is that there's uh, I, there. It seems to be that um, people know a lot about a few things in your life, but they don't really know you. Yeah. Um, and I was saying to your publicist uh, this morning that you don't even have a wiki page yet. Oh, what? You you don't have a Wikipedia page for yourself yet. Which I thought was pretty amazing. That's kind of crazy. It's, it is kind of crazy considering. Um, so I thought what we could do today is maybe we could use this as like the basis of your fan base to kind of create your wiki page out of this. And so uh, I, mean, I don't want to be redundant with anywhere, but uh, but this is like the some of this is like if you want to clear up the, the record on some things or if you want, want to, to uh, uh, add to certain things and so forth. So... Um, but uh, you were born December 15th, 1983. You're a Sagittarius. Hello, us Sagittarians, both of us. You're a Sagittarius. Um, I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, man. We're sad. Talk with our hands. I talk with my hands. You know, I'm a wanderer. Um, right. Wanderlust is what they say. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, were you born in Vegas? I was born at St. Rose Hospital um, in Nevada, in Las Vegas outskirts, I think. Okay. Um. I don't really remember. <laughs> I was kind of young. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. So, so like, like, what were like, what kind of like, what kind of house was it? like a ranch house? Was it like, a, like, did you live in the suburb, suburb kind of area? Like when you were growing up, a kid? <clears throat> oh, kid? No, no, no. Yeah, I was completely poor. Yeah. Uh, definition of like white trash. You know, mm. uh, never had. I never had anything I wanted when I when I I seen things that I wanted. And I, there's no way I could have it. Because you didn't have that money to to get it type right. lifestyle, but my dad would uh, he would uh, every Christmas he would do what he could though, so he would do what he could to make it work. Yeah, there was uh, I think you said in a couple of, your mom left when you were really young. Yeah, too young to remember. Yeah. Um, six months or a year. That's so young. Long. Yeah, that's young. Um, to this day, I mean, you know who she was, obviously, but do you even know where she is? Not now. She no. came back and she came to my life when I was 18. She really? just called me. It's like, hey. I was like, what? Wow. What do you mean, hey? Like, <laughs> where have you been, you know? Um, and then I met her. Oh, you did? Yeah. She's a dog groomer. And she's just on drugs, though. It was, oh, man. It was, it was, you know, it was all bad. But then she just vanished again. Hmm. I met her for like, it was like a week and I hung out with her for a week and then she, you know, so she's not really the motherly type. You know? Was there, I mean, despite that, 
like even though like the connection didn't like it was it seemed like the timing was off a little bit for her and and so like where she is in life but did you kind of even see at that point like shades of yourself like where you, now you kind of understood where you got certain things from the this really this the, the, type of this whole talking with your hands and the yeah trying to uh it was it was so weird it, you know it kind of scared me um we look identical like really yeah, I look nothing like my dad. I look exactly like her. Wow. You know, so that was the weird thing. Um, the drugs, the, the addiction part. I didn't know then because I was in denial, you know? Got but it. now looking back, I'm like, mm. yeah, both my parents were drug addicts, though. I think you. I think uh, you spoke about your dad. Um, he was an alcoholic before he, he sobered up, and became a born again Christian. He's a born again Christian, but he's not an. Al- he was not an alcoholic. He was. Like, oh, good. He's a that's drug good. addict. Okay. He's a dr- <laughs> it's okay. even. It's okay. even worse. But, right. Uh, right. You know, but um, he got sober when I was like eleven, ten. Oh. And then all of a sudden it was like Christian. Let's go to church. Jesus loves you type thing, and then. I kind of rebelled against that. Yeah, that's kind of what, like, I think Happens. it's a rule of parenting. Like, don't force your kid to do go one way because they're just going to rebel against whatever that way is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And he he found it, like, I think you talked about uh, that he founded a motorcycle club in Vegas, right? Called Soldiers for Jesus. It's a motorcycle. It's, like, all over the world now. But um, he's the president of Las Vegas Club and, um, like, ministers to... Anybody that will listen, but mostly to outlaw bikers. That's actually really cool. Like uh, some names, I some of the name outlaw biker names I won't name, but when like one of their men die or are hurt, mm-hmm. they come to him and they he prays for them and stuff like that. You know, you kind of said something in uh, may have been revolver. Uh, one of these websites, maybe, uh, but you said, it was a very tail end of an interview, and you said something like uh, that your dad really hadn't, you, you alluded that your dad really hadn't talked too much about your music career until just this outing, this this record, and he actually mm-hmm. kind of said, like, you just sound better, period. You're stronger, you're, you, you're everything. I mean, this yeah. is... Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. He, um, before he was like, yeah, I could tell he was proud before, but now he just got like stars in his eyes. I think because he knows that I'm not messing around, you know. He knows I'm not like. Every time he sees me, he's he, I look good. So it's not like I'm out there strung out or something, you know. Right. Once you once you once you sobered up and you and you you committed um, to your your new you, did it um, did it did it kind of like build the bond between you two more? Like, like, does he, does he ask you to come talk to like, and be inspirational to these bikers? Cause there is a lot, I mean, rock yeah. and roll and bikers and devil yeah. world is so. He, not to the bikers, but, um, I wasn't really, I, I went to Christmas dinner to his house. That's so weird. And like, no way. Really? Last, this last Christmas. Oh. I went and like my grandma was there and it was like weird. Cause I'm not used to that. I'm not, I don't do that. Mm. But like, uh, he works out, so do I. Right. So there's a bond there. There's a growing, you know. That's awesome. That's that's really beautiful. Um, it, you, you got one brother. Or you got more than that. I have one brother, and then I have a half brother. Mm. And um, 
I found out about my half-brother the same time my dad found out about his son, you know, when I was like 14. His name is Matthew Hagen. Hmm. My other brother is my full brother from the same mother, obviously. Um, he lives in Kansas. He had to move because yeah. he was addicted to drugs. It's, it's, now he's sober. You know, it's, you talked about, you actually been talking about that a lot in interviews about getting the hell out of Vegas because of just mm-hmm. the ghosts. Uh-huh. And uh, and the current demons that are still there, and uh, it, is there is there something really to be said that sometimes if you if you really want to start your life over and get a whole new, you just got to change the whole scenery. Yeah, a lot of people are like, you, you can change scenery, but you're still going to be a drug addict everywhere right. you go. No, I, I believe, or you have to give yourself to a higher power, um, like, or some people believe in that and it helps them, but I believe that your higher power is you. It's yourself. Mm-hmm. If you find your own power, right. then you can do anything. You know why? Why I believe why rely on um, a higher power to get you through an addiction, and if you relapse, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's unacceptable. It's not okay. I believe it's not okay. That's how. That's what gets me through. By relapsing is not okay. Right. It's unacceptable. Absolutely. You know. Um, that's just the way I live now, and I feel like I'm above that. And um, living in that town, not because of the drugs. There's more drugs in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Right. It's not because of, oh, I'm gonna go back. You know, but it, to right. drugs, it's because of the enemies that I've created there due to the the thing that happened. Right. You know, uh, in the desert and and the police, and I just. I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I don't, I don't want to be um, leave myself open, right? If you, you know. Um, do you, I just kind of curious? I want to talk about uh, what did you did you want to be a singer first? Or did you want to be a guitarist first? Because you you do you obviously you can. Um, I wanted to be a guitarist first. No, I wanted to be a singer. I don't know. I don't remember. Started playing piano. Yeah. And I started singing Voice to Men and Whitney Houston as a joke. And then The Lion King, singing Lion King. That's, that's, good, Wiki, that's good Wikipedia entry stuff right there. <laughs> and then I picked up a guitar. I'm left-handed. I play like a right-handed guitar, left-handed. I don't string it or anything differently. Really? And that's how I write the songs. Started playing like that. What's your preferred brand of guitar, by the way? Um, Do you have one? you have I don't I want like, to get you in trouble with an endorser. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm glad I said that. Jackson, Jackson. Um, I like acoustics. I don't really get into. Um, <laughs> I don't get into electrics anymore. When I was my first left-handed, I had a le- I used to play left-handed and upside down. But my dad got me a Ibanez RX series. It's, I'm not saying Ibanez are crappy, but this guitar was really crappy. You know, Ibanez is great I'm, I'm, for the most part, but this is a really old RX series, left-handed EMG pickups, and uh, that's how I learned how to play. What age was that when you got your when you when you got that first? Thirteen years old. Crappy series of a great guitar 14, company. Fourteen, and I just played Blink One Eighty Two songs. I love Blink One Eighty Two, Green Day. Um, what was the first song you got down where you're like, I can do this? Damn it. By Blink, like every other person exactly my age. 
you know. What was that time? It was like nine, mid-90s. 98? Yeah, yeah. 97, 98? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, so, so that was it. So then when did, you, when did you decide, like, your first, like, you want to get your friends together and try and create a band? Uh, he's on this tour right now with me. He's my uh, stage, stage manager. Like, um, his name's Mitch Silva. He's in a band called 3.0. We sounded exactly like Blink-182. I was like 15. Um, we have a demo. I can even send you the MP3. You'll laugh. It's funny. Did you guys have a pure volume page back then, too? Did you do that? No. How did we do it? It was like... It's a website. Just a website, straight up. Just, you go to this website, and then... You know the paint program on your computer? Yeah. We made the logo out of that. <laughs> <laughs> out of the paint you know, um, it was like the Ninja Turtles logo, but it said 3.0. It said teenage punk rock something something 3.0 in the Ninja Turtles logo. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Did you guys did you guys ever really play anywhere? Like even at school? Like did you do anything like that? Played at Chain Reaction Ooh. in Anaheim. Oh, oh my god! Every time I stopped playing, my feedback for my amp was just. It was just played at the Huntridge in Vegas. Right after, it was right after nine eleven. Right after that happened. Really? Yeah, I think I was a little bit older. I was in a, um, I was in a band with him for a while, and then I dropped out of school. And then did you did you ever? I mean, did you drop out like when you graduate? Like like you didn't ever do that? So you never graduate? What year did you gra- uh, drop out at? Uh, tenth and eleventh. I dropped out, went back, and dropped out. Hmm. Just couldn't, for some reason, pay attention. I just daydreamed about everything else but what I'm supposed to be doing. You know. So was that about the time that? Okay, so was this band before? Oh, it had to have been, but or like when did when did Max come in? When did Max Green come in and, and like you guys? Right there, hanging? right then, right at that moment. I just said, um, um. From Mitch, 3.0, three-piece band, California. I, I ran away from home at an early age to be in that band and lived with Mitch's mom. And then they, my dad and his mom made it okay somehow and then like signed it over to where it's going to be okay. She's my legal guardian. Oh, for, okay. For a while, and then I went, and then I dropped out. That's and then I went back to my dad's into Vegas, and then. So you were going to college. You were going to high school in Anaheim. Uh huh. Gilbert uh-huh. West, some crazy school that hmm. make up credits. Anyways, I went back to Vegas after I got in trouble and I dropped out right after I think it was nine eleven. Literally, right after that, went back. I'm in school. I went to back to my original high school. And I. Start a band called Lefty, because I'm left-handed. Smart. <laughs> and then yeah. Robert Ortiz from Escape the Fate was in that. And then that, and then we were playing a talent show, and that's how I met Max. Because his band, his band called Almost Heroes, was playing that too. So he's watching us, and he's he was like, um, he's like who the hell is this? You know. And then uh, my microphone fell when we were on stage, and he ran up and put it on, and that's how we became friends. Then he joined my band, kicked my bass player out, and that became we half of Almost Heroes, his band, and half of Lefty became this band called True Story. 
pop punk band. So you guys were doing pop punk then, still. And then we were started doing thrice stuff because uh, Identity Crisis was thrice. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell is this? Oh, I got to start screaming!" You know, <laughs> I was like, "I got to start screaming, man! This is great!" You know, and the scream sounded terrible. But we were pop punk screaming and wannabe breakdowns. I didn't even know, you know. But then that's when that started forming into Escape the Fate slowly. And then one guitar player left. I jumped onto the mic because I wasn't good enough, you know. As a guitarist. You know, I just accepted my fate as a right. vocalist. And then it became Escape the Fate by getting Brian and Omar. Were you were you still in high? Or we had already dropped out by the time that started, by the time Escape the Fate started. Oh, way, way, yeah, way after. Late, okay. yeah, a uh, couple years. A couple years, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what kind of what kind of guy were you like during your late teens? Like that, like what would normally be your sophomore, junior, senior years of high school? Like what what kind of guy were you? I loved. I started wearing girl jeans in high school with Mitch cuz he went to the, he went to the school with me in Vegas and went, we went to California school together uh because of skateboarding it mm. had nothing to do with music no one was wearing skinny jeans in music it was all like kind of boot cut you know normal or dickies where'd you get them by the way where would you go get them uh, where did i get them? oh like girls houses we go to girls house like hang out with girls and you're in high school, I'm like, let me have those pants, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Instant thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> but we put them on and be like, dude, I want to be like Jim Greco from uh, Piss Drunk's crew from skateboarding, like Jim Greco or Ali Bulala, the skateboarders, Andrew Reynolds, like skateboarder people, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, we wanted to be just like them, so I would dress in really tight girl jeans. I didn't know how to get them any tighter without... You know, because back then guy jeans didn't stretch. You know? Right, right, right. And then I'd wear small shirts. Then I'd go to school, and then uh, all the, the black kids would make fun of me. They call you got your little your little brother's shirt on. They'd be like, go like this. <laughs> Raise your hands up. <laughs> <laughs> but then I would rap with them. I would uh, rap with them, and then they would be stoked. I rapped with all the the rappers. I was into Eminem. That was my favorite person from his beginning to now. Can you still skateboard well? Yeah, pretty good. Still do it. I got a, I don't know if you can see it right now, but I got a Volcom Stone tattoo. It's so douchey. On your left bicep. That's that's awesome. It's like this big, but, you know. You should charge them for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's an endorsement right there. Uh, Exactly. No, I, I skateboarded for a long time. I broke my ankle, and I was playing guitar and singing. <clears throat> and that time, the pinnacle of that broke my ankle, and I was like, I'm to be a rock star now. Interesting. You know, it was like skateboarding, this teen angst, you know, this whole whatever. I don't know what I want to be, you know? Right. And then I didn't break it. I really hurt it, though. My dad was like, you're not going to school. You You want to be a professional skateboarder? Like, no, I want to be a rock star. He's like, now you want to be a rock star? Come on, man, you know? So it was like that whole... Right. Did you break it during the skateboarding trick? Yeah, down a big... I was taking it way too serious. Filming and 
Oh, you were doing all that. Okay. Yeah, I was sponsored by a skateboard shop called Board Deep in Las Vegas. Is there any of that early footage online anywhere? I don't want to. No. <laughs> There's the no comment. <laughs> There's the no comment of all the things that I'm going to get the no comment about. It's that. Okay. <laughs> I had an Eminem haircut in the video. It's so embarrassing. The bowl. The it's bowl. like a it's like a forward brush bleached hair. I was really young. But That's, I was doing really good tricks, though. I think that is your version of a high school senior photograph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you actually have one. You remember what your first concert was? Like the one you, like... Um, I don't remember. Was it a punk rock show? Probably. My, my dad just... took... I think my dad took me to, like, a Aussie or something like that. But oh, I'll the... never remember that. He said something like that? Yeah, because he was a metal... He was, like, he was into all that stuff, right? Uh, he was... Judas Priest. Uh, right. Uh, Black Sabbath, but... Uh, That's right, Sabbath, yeah. My first reel that I remember was my concert was Blink-182 at the Boys and Girls Club when they were on Dude Ranch record. They were not they were not that big at all. They were playing, they gave us a free skateboard that said Blink-182 on it. I was like, dude, I, oh my, I was like freaking out, like, this is amazing, like, what is this, you know? And then... Um, they blew up. Anima of the State blew up. It was so big. You know, from there, they they just was like, okay, this is what I, this is what I want to do, because of that. How I, I saw the change. Yeah. You know? A lot of people were like, they sold out. I'm like, okay, uh, I want to sell out too, because selling out to me means selling out shows. That that's a good thing, right? I don't understand. It's a good answer. You know. That doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, you know, there was kids that would be like, oh, yeah, I'm so punk when we were growing up. You're not punk. You're a poser. You listen to sellout bands. And I would be like, yeah, I know. I like I like the thought of that. And that's probably why I'm here right now, because of the thought of to the masses. You know, that's what I want. That's what I like. You know, even people that, that drop out of high school or drop out of school, whatever they still have areas that they're really good at. So, like, uh, were there any areas in any of your schooling that you really actually excelled at? You like, know, like you, like, I don't want to influence people to drop out of high school. No, 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 but I was, I, obviously. Uh, so I'll let everybody know why I dropped out. I, my da- I'm not putting my dad on the right. back on the burner right here, but I got, I got bad grades, and then one one year I was like, you know what? I need to get good grades. So I actually put my mind to this. I got straight A's one year, one one semester. And I got a D, though. All A's and one D in math. I'm really terrible at math. So my dad, I called him, like, I got all A's, but I got a D. And he's like, that's not good enough. You're You're grounded for the summer. And I was like, is that right? I'm grounded? All right, I ran away. So that's where, so, you know, I wanted to graduate, but I I can't, that's not an excuse, but I am a kid and underlying, other underlying things such as my stepmother being so evil, you know, caused me to, I could have graduated. I have ADD though. It was so hard. To concentrate, but when I actually did, it was, you know, 
you know, there's there's a lot of um, so many musicians that 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 ADD, HDHD, or everything, and uh, but there's a lot of debate still, even with them, where they're not sure if it's is it because of the way television is shot, video mm -hmm. games, where everything is yes. instant edits now, or is yeah. it really a genetic? Like, is it something in the food? Is it, there's a lot of talk about that that it's the additives in food that it cause could, that could be. I don't know, because there's some weird stuff going on. Yeah. I think it's the... I'm getting on my phone right now, right? I want to go to Twitter. What do you mean I have to wait a second? Huh? It's going to space right now. Calm down. It's going to space. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> like oh, wait. Oh, man. It's not updating fast enough. You know? It's like this... You get everything you want on a little push of a button. And it's just getting worse and worse. And I think kids, just ADD. This is what kids are getting crazier. Our gen, my generation to the generation before, totally different. Right. Kids will secretly film you when you're walking by. Like, dude, walk up to me, talk to me. Don't secretly film me because you're too afraid to talk to me. You talked about that once. I think you mentioned it about like right after you got out of prison and you were going to the mall or something. Uh -huh. And people keep were trying to film you to get it on YouTube or something like that. Yeah, like secretly, you know. Come on, man. I'm not, I'm not that scary of a person. You know, I'm not crazy. I am crazy a little bit, but I'm not. You can walk up to me and say something. First pr musician I'm going to ask this, and I keep forgetting to ask this, so I'm going to ask you about it. Does it bother you to be up on stage and looking down the first two rows and kids are on their phones and not looking at you? Yeah. Sometimes. I, I, uh, not, they don't really do that anymore. I've noticed a change on this tour. Last tour they did. It's probably because it was my first one. Got it. And I walk out and everybody's like holding their phones up like this. And then, you know, but this one, everybody's like, ah, like ripping their eyeballs out, man. It's like, what is going on? I can't do some of the things I used to do and escape the fate. Like, like I'll probably do it tonight to impress everyone. But <laughs> because everybody's going to be there, you know, I want to impress people. It's my favorite thing to do. But. Certain things I can't do because they rip me apart. I got scars on my arm. That's from a girl scratching me. They're crazy. If, they, uh, if you imagine you're a singer um, and uh, imagine they've ripped things off of you and taken them. Yeah, yeah. My shoes. Those are nice. I'll, I'll <laughs> Those are nice. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk on the crowd and they'll hold me. Right. But while they're holding me, they'll untie my shoe and take it off. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you, why do you want my shoe? Like, uh, of course, my shirt. Of course, that's gone. That's why I have to take it off before I even go out. Because if I want to keep it, then I better do that, you know. And so it's not, I'm really going to complain about it, though. I can't really complain about it. I'm actually really happy. You know, just on that thought, are there rules to walking on an audience? Like, if there were three rules to walk in an audience, like, is there like you got to assess like where the strong people are? You got to assess it out in your head beforehand. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'd look, I'd look for the bigger manly arms instead of like the, you know, step on those arms. Uh, it's a, a, a punk rock thing to do. Iggy Pop did it. All right. Davey Havoc did it. You know, um, who else did, did that? There's a couple of people that have done that. 
and it looks brilliant, especially to a sea of people. And it just looks really good. And I'm afraid that I can't do it anymore, though. <clears throat> in Irving Plaza in New York, it was sold out. I walked on the crowd. I was standing up there. And when I f go to fall back to come back to the stage, I collapsed. And my bodyguard was there. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. He was on the stage. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm laying in this vortex of people. Like, how am I going to get out of this? This is ridiculous. I can't breathe right were, now. Were you, were you crushed on the floor at that point? Yeah. Just covered down. Like, oh, no. You know? And then uh, Barry's on the stage. That's my bodyguard. I look over, <laughs> and he's standing next to me in the pit. And he's like, get back. <laughs> it was a, like, how did you get to this point? You know. Um, this is this is this part where I'm where if there's been anything that's been incorrectly reported by journalists because we do we're bad <laughs> and we're bad we we will take two parts in an interview at mm. thirty minutes apart and piece them together sometimes and make yeah. a story. So yeah. this is the, this is like this is going to be the official oral record. Okay. okay. Official oral record. Okay. okay. All right. So you guys pull escape the fate together, uh -huh. right? And it, it the the. the the story is that's been told is that the name came from after the killers got out of Vegas and that it, like a lot of bands are pretty much doomed there and like you had to like get out. Nope. No, no. Sorry. No, go for it. Emergency your... packet. Yeah. Um, that, that wonderful cold. That name escaped the fate. I'm sitting on a, I was, me and Max, I was homeless sitting at my friend Kenny Barton's house. And I was thinking of names like uh, um, that rhymed. It just flew, fluently went together. I'm like, you know. And uh, I made a demo with Elvis. The uh, Not Good Enough for Truth and Cliche was on it. They're sitting in this room playing Rajan Roulette. There's a song that a lot of the fans know. Elvis Bescat. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I made a demo with him to get signed. And I had all these these different band members coming in and out of my life, and um, uh, I had a band called Another Great Tragedy for a second, and people were on cocaine. Me and Max always stuck together through it all. Um, right. We were homeless together. I went out on the balcony. I sat down. And I was thinking of it, and one of my favorite band names ever is the Dillinger Escape Plan. Sure. <laughs> that name, like, it just, I love that name. So I was like, Escape. No one has that right now, Escape. There's a, a you know, Escape. And then that's just how it came. Escape the Fate. You know, I thought of Elvis. I was supposed to get signed on a major. That fell through, like always. Like, Did you have a manager then? No. So they, you were just talking to Elvis. Was he kind of like that producer kind of representative? Sometimes they do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you meet Elvis anyway? Through. Yeah, I got through it. Through a friend. Through a friend. Got it. So, uh, so he was representing you at that point, like one of those, like um, he's a good friend, like those, like those. He's a good friend. He right. he made me into the songwriter I am today. Really similar songwriting, obviously. Uh, me and him have chemistry like no other. Like as you can tell, this new record sounds a lot like Dying Usually's Fashion, just like a little bit more mature mm -hmm. on the songwriting parts.
What was it? Do you remember like the first thing that kind of sunk into you about songwriting from him? Um, because you're at that point, you're a musician larvae. You're song. You're 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 a musician larvae. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like you're just learning everything. And like there's always those eureka moments where like a new a singer or a guitarist or something, or somebody explains something like, oh shit, yes, of course. Harmonies. Uh, I knew harmonies, but I only knew one type of harmony. You know, third above. That, that normal harmony, no, nah, you know, just this normal. He was doing, he was showing me like, no, no, no. You can, you can do different harmonies and uh, make melodies, um, just different melodies. You don't have to, he, he made me interesting to listen to at first. Like there was certain notes that he made me hit that no one else was doing at that time. Everybody's in like pop punk and doing the right. whole Silverstein type thing. Right. <laughs> Right. That first record, I was like, whoa, what is this? You know, um, he, he's a, just a great producer. He knows what he's doing. So when you were kind of transitioning, there was a, there was a period there where you were transitioning out of pop punk and, and that whole scene and the sound and so forth. And you were, you were, you were getting more into uh-huh. what you were, what you were becoming. So like, was there an artist? Was there, was there a singer? Was there, I don't know, somebody that you kind of saw, like you just, that, that caught you uh, and, and like, wow, this is a sound I like. This is a, this is a vocal I like. like. I love Gerard Way. He's okay. naturally born theatrical. Yeah. He belongs in the 80s. Right. Like, not the way he dresses, but the way he, he's, he's, he belongs here now, actually, but seems, he's like Queen. He's like Freddie Mercury, kind of, mm-hmm. in his own way he's in he's such a great singer he, um character who else um I'm, i like the second under oath record they're the ch- they're only chasing safety mm-hmm. when that came out i was like what what is this you know as a lot of kids my age were you know right right um i love freddie mercury Obviously, oh, he's great. But older bands, like one of my favorite bands, albums, ACDC. Sure. Back in Black. Sure, sure. So you got the band name, and how long was it right after that before you kind of had like your first formation? You already starting to have rehearsals, and and you and like, like what was the first? Well, where was the first Escape the Fate gig? You remember? Across the street from Cheetah's Strip Club. It's this little rented-out place, friend of a friend. Robert was an actual original member, drummer. Okay. But he is the original member because we got signed with him and blah, blah, blah. But Right. Um, and through high school, we went through bands together, kind of split up, then came back together. Okay. So it was like a... a um, we played a lot of shows together. Robert did this little metal thing for a couple months, the other project. And then um, we had this drummer. He was a left-handed drummer. I forgot his name. He wasn't that good. Then got this other drummer. His girlfriend made him quit the band within a week. A week? I'm sure he's regretting that. <laughs> like, Yeah, I was like, dude, you're going to let your girlfriend make you quit, dude? You never let a girl make you do something like that, man. He's like, nah, blah, blah, blah. So then I was like, Max, we know Robert. We've been in a band with him for a long time. You know, he's like, yeah, all right. So we went and got him, and it was just, all right, 
Let's do that, you know. And then first practice with Omar Espinoza mm. and Monty Money. And uh, it was pretty good. I was really happy. Do you, um, <clears throat> at that point, was there already, um, because of Elvis, was there already, was he already shopping you guys, like even before or no? I had that demo that I did without Escape the Fate. Right. I did it with one guitar player and Elvis, and then uh, just a studio drummer. And then um, I brought it back to Mac. Max was like, what the hell? Where, where did you do this? You know? And um, showed everybody else, and everybody's like, okay, this this can, this four-song demo can get signed for sure, because it sounded like it could get... Um, and then for a while, I didn't know what to do with it, so I just drove to his house one day, Knocked on his door. He opened. It. I was like, "Can I take this to a label?" And he was like, um, "Yeah, that's why I made it." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." So I just drove for 45 minutes for no reason. Okay. So I sent it to Solid State Records. Okay. Yeah. Division of Tooth and Nail. Yeah. And they never replied back to me. I sent it in the, the silly uh, press packet, or whatever, with the fold-out thing, and then MySpace. Put it on MySpace, and then um, we started getting a following in Vegas. And then we played our first show at GameWorks. There was this long line, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, who are they here for?" So I went and asked them, and they were like, "You." I'm like, "Really?" You know, um, the way we got signed to Epitaph is one of those fans' mother worked in the mailroom, gave her the CD. Which gave to Brett Gerwitz. Mm -hmm. right. So then through that, he went to MySpace, looked over, liked what he heard, and then called. And the weird thing, everybody's like, we 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 won a My Chemical Romance contest, radio contest, and played for in front of a whole bunch of people, and that's how we got signed. That's not. Yeah, because the whole thing like you got you went on the tour with Alkaline Trio, and no, no, it was no. amidst in the midst of that. Okay, it was. Timing. The timing was like, um, I don't know. It was like, they were, Brett calls me, I remember. And then literally like a week and a half later, um, the radio calls. You know, like, you guys won this thing because we submitted it. I was like, yeah, and we're getting signed. Yeah, you know. So it was like, I was on cloud nine at that point, you know. When, uh, and that was the tour with uh, Mike Hem, and so you went on a tour after that. No, no, no we played oh. one show, one show with them mm -hmm. in Vegas. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one show. Um, so when you got when you were getting signed, right? Uh huh. Um, did that did that change? Like, did you kind of feel like, wow, like I've kind of gone from being homeless and now I'm going to get signed to a label and I'm going to be like, did that just change your whole outlook on life to some extent? Or? Yeah. And I just did more drugs. Hmm. It was just like ri ridiculous. I, didn't, I thought it was, you know, 2005 came, you know, right before the end of 2005 is when we started recording Dying is latest fashion record. But right before that, I overdosed on Oxycontins, Xanax, and vodka, like an idiot. I wasn't trying to kill myself either. I was just, I was just being stupid, you know. And I, 
took it and then, you know, and then the whole room went black except for like a circle. I could see through a circle. It's weird. And I was just like, I think I got to go to the hospital right now. I think I'm, I think I'm dying, you know. And then I went to the hospital and I laid in, they laid me in the bed and then they grabbed my penis and they grabbed a catheter and I never knew what that was. And they shoved this tube into my hole, penis hole. I was, I was high and drunk and blah, blah, blah. And it still was like the worst pain I've ever felt. Then the next morning, when I woke up, they pulled it out. <laughs> and this is, they're like, we're going to pull it out on the count of three. I'm like, oh, my God. They're like, one, two, and then they pull it out. Right. Yeah, they do the trick, right? Yeah. And it was just so painful. And they're like, that will teach you not to to do drugs, won't it? I'm like, Did they actually say that? Yeah, like that will teach you not to, to party. The the nurse, she's really rude. I think I was giving her hell, though. <laughs> she's rude. So I get up. I'm like, sure. I get up, and I leave the hospital, and I get in the car, and I in, in my friend's car, and I do more drugs right then and there. It's like I didn't even learn from it, you know. Was it, is it at that point? Was there really an issue within the band on any of this? Like because Max was using it too, wasn't he? And not as bad. Not at that point. No, he would a little bit. You know, there's what is it? There's a great article that was in the New York Times about a year and a half ago that I bring up quite a bit, and the, and the whole argument is is that, um, and some some musicians I know that are now clean have really freaked out about this right after they start getting sober. They start worrying about this big time, which is. You know, the art that I'm known for, the art that made me famous, uh-huh. was yeah. when I was messed up. Yeah. And so now I'm sober. And some of them are like, I wrote this whole album on, on Xanax. I can't, I'm, I'm sober now and I'm sitting here with green tea. But I, it's not there. Yeah. So, uh, so like, did, did maybe, did like, was part of Escape the Fate, was it, did it become what it was because of that system, that organic kind of like. like, yeah, I was like, yeah. Yeah. You a know? little bit. Yeah. I would say. The actual band practices, yeah, but my changed my entire songwriting in prison, right? Yeah, it's the entire song. I already had um, the ammo from my past. I just a year and I was in prison for two and a half years, and a year and a half that I got solitary confinement for tattoos. Right. Well, I actually was going to ask you, which ones were the ones that, because you got them in, so those were the ones on your fingers, the mm-hmm. bang bang. Mm-hmm. Um, then they, when I went into prison, they they were like, okay, we can put them on the yard, it's fine. They didn't have no idea what was about to happen. About the mail, they didn't know who I was. Yeah, because you got like thousands <sighs> of fan mail things. Like at least 100,000 or something, something retarded, I don't even remember, boxes. They didn't know though, they had no idea. And that was something like you said, like that it actually pissed off the guards there because they were having to do more work. Because they have to mail. read, oh, just in right. case to see if they're doing anything bad or blah blah blah. They didn't read them all; they just were lazy. But still, they have to, <laughs> they have to open them. Right. So that they're like rad key, rad key, rad key, rad key, rad key, rad. Ah! You know, that, dude, they were pissed. They didn't like me, so they started watching me more. So when I got in that little bit of trouble, they were like, you're going to the hole for a long time. You're a security threat. 
you know. I understand where they're coming from, though. There was a fight, if I'm correct. That the, like the story that I think you said, maybe, or was somebody wrote, was that there was a fight and they, they found there was some blood in your fingers, or and your and they're like, okay, he started it, or you were in it. No, they, no. They, there was no. A, there was a riot started, oh. and then they go do this thing called knuckle checks to see if your hands are red and scabbed. They're like, oh, his hands are red and scabbed, but it's not from fighting; it's from his new tattoo. You know, and they found. You know, I just kept getting in trouble. Like certain things about the phone I'm not supposed to be doing. I said I wanted to call my lawyer, but I called my dad instead. Get in trouble for that. Took my TV away. You know, but they got they got mad over the mail. That was their resentment. But you also talked about there was actually some of the guards there that were that were actually like they, they were trying to get like your autographs and stuff for their kids and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, and they were nice. They would they would sneak me extra food. And they would sneak me APs when I had like <laughs> really yeah an AP with uh, Black Pearl Brides uh, a big not on the cover but they were in in here and I was like who the fuck is this what the fuck I was like what what the hell I was like shit oh man I gotta get out of here I was like I gotta get out of here and make music I was like it's just nothing against them I'm just when I you know I just really wanted to get out of prison and make music for myself. Just out of curiosity, what, what was your... Were you in prison when the, when Escape the Fate was on the cover? Yeah, but I never saw it. You never saw it? But I saw it when I got out, and no offense, they look retarded. I'm sorry. No, don't... I'm not uh, offended at all. Okay. Don't worry about it, man. It's not... Uh, they they look retarded. Not, not the picture. No, you, even the picture is fine. Don't even worry about it. But... Uh, it's just because when I, I saw it, I was like, that's not them. They're like totally like, what is going on, you know? like uh, That's just my personal opinion, you know? Um, but everybody changes as time goes on. True. True. You know, there, you, you've you talked about, um, uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but but I, I just, you've talked about that there is a lot of myth. There's some myths about prison. Like it's, uh-huh. right? And so... Uh-huh. I was trying to read about solitary confinement because there's actually organizations out there that say it's part of torture and that it needs to be discontinued. No. No, no I disagree. That saved my life. I wrote the entire record in solitary confinement, learned about Taoism and Eastern philosophy. I read the I Ching. I read the entire Count of Monte Cristo book. The, that yeah. book is like 1895 pages. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> like, "What are they talking about?" But <laughs> you know, um, but I, I read, I read the Eastern medicine, the I Ching, Taoism, Buddhism, um, which is almost they're similar. Mm-hmm. Um, it changed my life. I became sober at that moment. Those moments. Well, in solid, I mean, the room is what like. Because you know, a lot of a lot of people think solitary confinement means no lights, nothing. You're in a you're in a you're in a hole that's buried underneath. Like there's just a there's just a <laughs> gate that they open and they throw you in it yeah. at fifty feet down, and it's it's uh it's exact same as in any other prison cell, and uh, except for some reason, I kept getting cell twenty two everywhere I went. There's Five. There's a song title there. I know. I have this weird thing with twenty two, and couple times they were like you got the rock star treatment the COs because they would give me the handicap cell which is extra big you know a little bit bigger sometimes because there's no other rooms available it's for a wheelchair 
people that go to prison. Okay. So like they have the little railings on by the toilet, and I was like, this isn't this is as good as it gets, you know. But um, I would be in there, and I would just write songs and do push-ups, write songs, and I get up every day. I was angry for a while, and then one day I woke up after reading some of the I Ching passages, being like. This either needs to go one this way or this needs to go this way. Because if it goes, right. if I go, if I go left, and I just go out and get get out and go back to drugs, then nothing's gonna. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna come back. If I go this way, be sober, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna prevail. I know it. It's like this. It's like there's a story behind this, and I I thought of this all this. This cover, there's a lot of plans that happen, and then I got out, and then it happened exactly the way I did it, thanks to my amazing managers, too. Right. I'm so happy with the management that I have now. Um, let's go back. Um, the band gets signed to Epitaph. Uh-huh. The EP comes out. Um, and uh, then you guys start touring. Uh-huh. So let me ask you this. Um, we're gonna. Uh, I actually like to do two music breaks okay. in this. Um, so let me. So I want to give you. Um, here's the first one. Two songs, two different bands. Okay. Um, give me the song. The first one will be the first. The song that was your anthem when you were in high school and you were starting bands and stuff. Like that. Like what was your? What, uh, Taking back Sunday. Um, hmm. I was expecting Blink. Blink, uh, Blink, too. But Taking Back Sunday, there was a change when Taking Back Sunday to me. I was like, no, 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 Blink One Eighty Two. Then a change happened. I was like, no, no. Oh, you know, there's different, there's different things out there. But an anthem in high school. So which song by Taking Back Sunday? Uh, cut without the E. Sure. Right. And it was like, whoa, you know, something changed. And then give me the song and the band that uh, I'm kind of wondering if you're gonna say under oath um, it, that took you away from out of the out of the pop punk pre emo crowd and into what you started to become into with Escape the Fate and that whole genre. Thrice Identity Crisis, you know. There was a change there too, you know. Um, the Identity Crisis record. Any song on it? Or, and the Illusion of Safety record, actually. I'd oh, yeah. say the Illusion of Safety, uh, To Awake and Avenge the Dead. Mm. You know, that, that song that I couldn't believe that, you know. And The Refused. They named their album The Shape of Punk to Come with such... That's so amazing. Because there was samples, and there was screaming, and there was breakdowns. And that's exactly what's happening. That's what me that's what that's so legendary to me. Yeah. Your lipstick is colored up by the angel. I know exactly what goes on.
Let's see. Red and clever napkins. I won't ever ask if you don't ever tell me. I know you well enough to know you never love me. Who are you for the cash? I told you
forget about it. I saw a quote that you said, and I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and I was discussing this when I was just, uh, when I was just down with somebody. Mm -hmm. And you said, I made a rule in the band. Nobody sends naked, naked pictures to anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're like, because we have one of you right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> is, that, is, it, is that real? Like, or, or is that Seriously. like... I, I hate that. I hate that. And you know what? Some of those bands, it's not their fault because it was before those websites came out. So they're like trying, you know, they had Revenge no... porn. They had no idea, you know? Nah, don't send naked pictures of yourself if you're in a band to try to get more credit. It makes you look trashy. I don't like that. If you intentionally send naked pictures to the internet so everybody can see and you're in a band... It's just like this trashy way of trying to get famous. I don't know. But isn't I mean, isn't that the whole? Is I think the, the 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 what pisses people off is that like legally it's a very gray area. But he's uh -huh. covered. Those sites are covered because they're sending him to somebody else. Uh huh. Because they're enamored with each other, whatever, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a very yeah. uh, loose way of saying that. And then uh, and then uh, and then that person gets mad at them or whatever, and then they send them in. Yeah. So the ownership of the photo is dubious. Uh huh. So yes, exactly. But isn't that kind of culture now? Isn't that how you meet? You 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 flirt via text message now instead of in public in a bar. Exactly, and you know, I mean, that's cool. But there is, you're right. There is no gray area with that. It's like dichotomy. It's either black or it's white. It's not like, you know, it's that's when when it comes to that. He's and I don't hate him for that. I think he's doing. A wonderful job, but uh, it's, you know, just if you're in a band or if you're doing trying to do something, I believe you shouldn't send naked nude pictures of yourself with the intent on everybody to see them to try to get your band famous. Or I personally don't want my band to do that. Got it. That's my opinion. Right. I don't want to wake up and s to see Ryan Seaman's dick on the internet. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of girls do, but you know, and guys, you know. But I, I just, I think that I want to keep it a little bit more sacred. You know, right? Um, what was the first official tour you did with Escape the Fate, like nationwide? Do you remember? Um, it wasn't one of the my bullet for Valentine ones, was it? I think. Was it? Oh, it was a warp tour for two weeks. And Vanna before that. It was like Vanna, really good friends of mine, Vanna into warp tour. Two weeks. Out of all the time you've toured, I mean obviously the time off, but out of all the time, is there a part of the country you like more than the others? That you just feel like is I'm not gonna lie, I hate Buffalo, New York. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate that place. <laughs> and that lends the next question, why? Because every time I've been there, it's like something in the air. Everybody's like being weird. It's like weird paranoia. Like they got lockjaw on stage. <laughs> what? Yeah. They like stop. Like my jaw would not close. They like went to the side. Everybody. And I wasn't on drugs either. So I went to the hospital. I got makeup on, tattoos, and my jaw is like locked. They're oh, like, so they think you're on crack or, or something. something. I'm like, help me. I can't really speak. They're like rolling their eyes, Buffalo, New York. 
my bad experiences every time I went there. <laughs> I would say my favorite would be fl- anything in Florida. Florida's great. Oh, uh, California too. Uh, Micah from There for Tomorrow says hello. Oh, tell him I said hello, Micah from There for Tomorrow. Mutual producer and yeah, he's, he's a cool he's, guy. He's, he he said he hung out with you guys a couple times. Yeah, when, when you were recording. Um. So. So these these records come out. There was is there anything about because it, you, as you said before, there is like some, some incorrect stuff out there. But there, the story is is that there were two separate tours with um, a bullet for Valentine, and that the band got kicked off both of them. Wow. No, I I was on one of them. We did get kicked off of that one. It was the first band though that was enticing it, and I remember them getting drunk one night. Admitting that they were jealous that we were, they're like, man, you're a great singer. The band was, the band was called The Confession. You know, like they're friends, but the singer was, they just had this thing where they would rile up Bullet for some reason. And obviously, I had this stigma attached to me. I'm bad, you know, I'm not an angel. I remember bringing the band Jaeger. A full bottle. I'm like, dude, great show tonight, guys. Um, really appreciate you guys taking me on tour with you and stuff. And uh, I left, and they kicked me off the tour. I don't know why. I, we didn't really do anything wrong or bad, like to where we're starting trouble or anything. I just had this feeling that we were kind of smashing them. When we would we would open for them, and we would I'd be walking on the crowd and. Come on, you know, me personally as a band, and a band opens for me, and they're doing that, I'd be like, don't do that. It's, that's me. I want to do that, you know. Like right. we have this rivalry, you know. We need to be more tame than the the headliner. I know that I would be a little upset. You know, I kind of get jealous. Like, don't be doing those moves, man. You're doing stuff that I want to do, you know, before I can get a chance to do it. You know, um, every, everybody that I've ever spoken to that um, is um, gone through, like they've gone through their mistake phase or their learning phase, and then they can, with objectivity and some reflection, they can stand up and they can go, all right, it was that moment exactly where it was the straw that broke the camel's back, where my whole life, I, it's not that I hit rock bottom, but I started over the edge to go down. So during that 2005, 2000 up to 2006 with the incident mm-hmm. was there a period in there with everything that was going on with the band and like like was there a period in there where you can look back now and kind of go it was that experience it was that moment it was that thing that it was probably like it was the whole, like yeah for you and for the band itself in a way and that dude where I want I got that dude got killed so it was actually later than that so it wasn't even before that I didn't and, I didn't admit it until okay at later later but before I was taking pills, I was taking Laura tabs though, and every now and then oxycotton. But Laura tabs was my thing, you know. That's what I was doing. I don't have to take like thirty of them, and I'm not knowing that I'm even what an addict was. Total denial. Mm. And then that happened, and it sent me into a really crazy. 
Well, that and then well, once that once that incident happened out in the desert, that it was like a parking lot of a high school, wasn't it? Something right like next to it. Yeah. Right next to it. So like once that it was like one thing after another after another that just catapulted right down. But 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 prior to that, like being on the road or touring and and, and the conflicts and stuff and and the the drugs that you and Max was doing at the time too, right? Uh huh. Um, there, there wasn't really like something where you can kind of look back and go like, yeah, like this was falling apart at that moment, even before that incident, because that incident was almost its own thing huh. to a certain extent. It was that. It was, I think, I don't know. Oh, like act, the band actually falling apart? Yeah, like, like, it, like it, um, because like you made it, you made it interesting thing. You said um, about falling in reverse, uh -huh. and you said there are, there are not really people that enable me in this band. Uh -huh. uh, nobody enables negative choices. In my old band, we used to enable each other to do negative things. Uh huh. It's so that's true. kind of wondering. Yeah, me and Max, terrible together. Oh, okay. Terrible. Right. You know, back and forth. I can't hang out with him. I could talk to him on the phone. I want to help him. Right. right now, he's not doing good right now, mm. and I'm not trying to put him on blast. But I just know for a fact, and I, I want to help him. But yeah, there's a point where I realized that we were this is falling apart. Yeah. It was after that, like just started noticing this stigma. Every time I talked to a professional person like Kevin Lyman, mm -hmm. he just knew about me already. And I was like, man, this is not going to work out, man. I think you know, pe people are against me. I don't they're only they're only doing this for favors of Brett, you know. Right. You know, right. it wasn't like they wanted to help me. They were doing this for favors, and they really didn't like me. So I knew. Um, uh, the Epitaph tour, and the bus got trashed. That was the moment, I think. Seven, right? Yeah. 2007? The, the bus got trashed. I didn't trash it. I did not trash that bus. And a lot of people blamed me. It was Nolan, tour manager. He was mad at the bus company. That's who I think it was. It wasn't me. See, it makes it probably even a little worse when, um, when you know people are doing favors for you and it's not really like they believe in you they're doing favors for your manager they're doing favors for whatever yeah that's a weird feeling so it just actually compounds your, your your insecurity yeah and then it just makes it then you just want to escape more and just yeah right 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 everybody looking at me with this weird eye like you just paranoia kicks in you know people You're like, talk underneath hush hush breath when you walk by uh -huh. and you can see it in their eyes yeah and now it's more like what's up man like they embraced me, Kevin Lyman. I look up to him too. I was starstruck by him too. He's like, I'm at the Warp Tour this time around. He's like, Welcome to your first Warp Tour. And I'm like, Huh? I've been here a couple times. He's like, No, no. Welcome to your first Warp Tour. And I was, and I was thinking that as like, it's your second chance to make a first impression. You know. You said that about. You said that in a bunch of interviews actually about. Um, the time in prison where it, you, you say that it taught you uh, manners and respect yeah. and things like because yeah. you got to, you have to. Yeah, I've noticed myself, I, I have an anger issue now when that respect is not m met on the other side. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I find myself getting really angry. Like, for example, certain band members will lose an article of my clothing that, like, that I want, if I love. And I'll be like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing, man? You know, respect my stuff. And I make my bed every day. Learn to do that. Militaries, you come out of the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, I 
take vitamins, drink supplements, and work and exercise. There's this routine that I have, you know. And if I don't have that, then I'm having a bad day, you know. And just thankful to be alive. And I have a lot more respect for myself and people around me, for the most part. You've ta- I've, you, is it true? I think you even said in an AP or something like that, or one of our stories online, where you said you were taking roughly about 250 bucks worth of supplements. $350 a month. $350 a month in, in exercise, like GNC stuff or whatever, huh? Yeah, it went from $350 a day in heroin to $350 a month in supplements. Trent Reznor, because <laughs> that's what he did, yeah. essentially. So yeah. You took the, took the gym out on the road. And yeah, that's what we have. I'm gonna sh- I'll am gonna show you tonight. Um, you'll, you'll be able to see it. It's a bench, weight press. A lot, you know, when I came down, when I went down to Brazil and I came back, the first thing I noticed was how overweight. I mean, you really begin to see how overweight we are as a country, and uh, and and the obesity levels with with kids is just through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, it's it's the it's the discipline that's missing. That's usually the hardest part is keep discipline. So, like, you know, if there's somebody that's listening to this right now and they're, and they're overweight and they want it, they want to do what you did. Mm-hmm. Is it? Can you like give them any sort of like a yeah, a two like one one two step like this is your mind like is there something like it's a all mantra? about your mind? It's all about we are we are habit. H- humans are habit forming people. We we're just it's all habits. Everything's a habit. You have to break habits and form new ones. It's about the habit. The beginning of any habit is hard, unless it's something you want to do. And as soon as that first initial beginning hard part is over it's easy and it's it's like clockwork so the beginning of any workout is going to be too hard Mm. but it gets easier and then you feel better literally your mind changes your amino acids change chemical reactions change you become you start feeling better genuinely you know so I would just say Take all the food in your house that you have right now and literally throw it away and start over. What's your diet now? I eat anything I want now. I didn't before. I would, um, I was chicken and fish, chicken and fish, chicken and fish. Off the road, it's chicken and fish. On the road, it's just whatever. I do cardio on stage. I do cardio off stage. Good point. I do, I do, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. I, I, my label's saying, do not get any bigger. They don't want me to get any bigger. I understand. I don't want to be Danzig. Carrot top. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's crazy looking now, he man. He is. He is. He looks like a carrot, like a Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like something that would be like, you know. He's scary looking, yeah. I'll never get that big, no way. I think he's on steroids or something. Is there any part, like, in your, the way that you think when you start getting healthy, like you were saying, you start, your chemicals and everything, is there anything, like, your, like a habit that you always wanted to get rid of, but all of a sudden it went away? Um, is, it, is it that intricate, you found? You forget about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I, like, I really want a, I really want a cheeseburger right now. Like, like you like, the first time you, you stop eating bad foods is the hardest. Because then you eat chicken, blah, 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 and you get skinny. And then you go back to those bad foods. And then right. you're like, well, I need to stop this again. And that's easier the second time you do it. It just gets easier. I can do that. I quit smoking, and I never went back. I got out of prison. And I drank because I was nervous. 
mm. about people. So I drank and then I smoked. So like eight months ago, seven months, eight months ago, I was like, I'm going to quit smoking. I quit smoking and I haven't went back. And then I'm like, I can't drink because if I drink, I want to smoke. So I'm not going to drink until I don't want cigarettes at all anymore. And then it, it turned into, I don't want to drink because if I get drunk, I don't want to go to jail for something stupid. And now it's like, I don't drink because I can't. I can't drink. You know, it's not good for me. But, you know, there's somebody, I, you know, I've got a couple friends that are like, have wanted to stop. You know, they got uh -huh. maybe they got some issues uh -huh. and they want to stop drinking. But they go, you, and I know you've heard this and you must have probably gone through this, where you go like, how am I going to be interesting? How mm. am I going to like, because yes. I'm the dude at the party that's not drinking. I'm the straight edge dude now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Because when you first get sober and you're like, what the fuck do I do now? Right. Like, how do you talk to people? I don't know how to, you, you, you get over that, you know. I'm just glad I make the rules because then it's like, don't drink. Don't drink in front of me. You don't drink. I swear to God, if you drink one more beer, blah, blah, blah. I, I can't have it around me. I'm glad I make the rules and everybody's not all like wasted around me all the time. That's unhealthy, you know, all the time. I don't care. Um, they can drink whenever they want. And I'll go, I go to the bar with them sometimes and have a Sprite. But when it's an everyday thing, I try to catch them. I'm like, don't make it an everyday thing all day. You know, and it, it's worked out pretty good. But isn't the uncomfortable part um, when your friends are getting drunk right in front of you and they're starting to get like tipsy and stupid and say silly things and stuff and you're the one that's kind of now like, uh, it's almost like you're the one on the outside looking in at the zoo. It's and, fun. It's fun sometimes. Sometimes it it's annoying, though. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Because you want to be part of the zoo. Uh-huh. But there was a point where I did. But now there's this. I've reached this point where I'm like, that's retarded. You're so dumb right now. If you only knew what you looked like right now, you look stupid. That's stupid. It's not fun to me anymore because I think, what's going to happen when I wake up? I'm going to be so sad that I drank. My head's going to hurt. And I'm probably going to do something I regret. Like a certain girl that does not look as attractive as she does the night before, you know? <laughs> of on. all the things you could you could come up or with. Or drugs. Or drugs. Okay. You know? Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there is a priority order there. So, and I'll let you determine what that is. Um, so, so along that lines... Uh, I, you know, a, a good friend is uh, on the sober road, and the sober road isn't always a, a um, it's not always a cement road. Sometimes it can seem like it splits off a little bit, or, or it kind of goes in the ditch, it comes back up. So there's, there's like those, there's like a, like three months of sobriety, then one weekend something happened that sent them over the edge, and boom, they're down again for that weekend, and they're back up again and down that road again, and then... And and that's to be someone almost to be expected. It's just like smoking, uh -huh. and everything else, where you fall off the wagon. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. thing I've always I've started to see is that it's the gossip, because what ends up happening is is that the people around that person, people in the industry that maybe never liked that person, will sit there and go, "Oh yeah, they're sober," quote unquote. 
I heard how they felt. You know, like they're still Ugh. drinking or they're still blah blah blah. They're still doing. They're pot. They're not drug free. They're doing blah whatever. I heard that he did. Yeah. So, how does that? Did you ever suffer from any of that? I mean, it's like no. I think just people fear me. They they are scared to do that around me or hear about it. I know it happens though. I know people, but I've noticed this respect. There's a respect level, you know. But I know what you're talking about. I mean, because I mean, because it's it, it gets thrown around. People will sit that people don't want to believe it, and even yeah. and even if you even if there was a relapse for however long, yeah, they want to use that as a reason to to just write you off and say that person will never change. Well, I just take my shirt off and Instagram a picture, and then they totally shut the fuck up for reals. You know, By the way, you take beautiful photographs on Instagram. <laughs> I, if, if I can say you. anything, you thank do you. it. You are a photographer. You really <laughs> are. You take great. I mean, yeah, we all look better because of the, the, the you do too though the filters. But but <laughs> but 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 you know, I mean, I mean, from a from a from a uh, from a from a uh, content perspective, you have a really good eye for photography. Thanks, man. I, you know what it is? I'm not going to plug it right now, but it's Camera Plus. It's an app. I mean, you should you should get it. Yeah, but it's still the eye yeah. is. You're still. I don't care what you're using for your app, but still, you. It's a composition. Thank you very much. Yeah, but no. When they talk about, they're like, "That guy's high all the time. He's just hiding it." They're like, really? I'm getting high and working out. That's insane. Come on, I'm gonna smoke a cigarette and do some heroin, and then I'm gonna lift fucking 260 pounds. Come on, man. Is that what you can bench now? Yeah, on creatine. Now I've dropped down to 235. This guy does almost three oh five. Holy macro! Yeah, he's he's, he's a bodyguard, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he looks it. <laughs> I, I don't want to start a fight with him. I, I, actually, me the only thing I would want him to really help me out for is getting my car out of a ditch. <laughs> he could probably lift it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you, um, uh, without without again without being redundant, um, the the you there was one thing that you said um about. The day that it, you, you, the event happened, yeah, and technically you got busted because you had brass knuckles, uh-huh. right? And that was like the thing the cops really kind of grabbed onto at first, and then it just kind of went from there. And then you know, you did the, the judge kind of say, "How do you plead?" And you know, and he said, "Are you guilty?" And you kind of said, "Well, yeah," you know, and you meant it more like, uh-huh. "Yeah, I'm guilty of being there, guilty of everything," uh-huh. else, you know. And he just mm-hmm. used that to latch you and take yeah. you out of the picture for a while. So, yeah. but. The story that that I, I just want to see if it was true was the one the day that um, as you described it that everything went um, like out of the fugitive for you, and you and you say that that yeah. you were you were you were at your house and there was a, there was a woman that you were trying to buy drugs from uh-huh. you were this you were on probation at this uh-huh. point and and she set you up uh-huh. so was she working for the cops? No, they called her and threatened her and scared her into oh. coerced her into I shouldn't say coerced but they coerced her into setting me up setting you up and so then it was when you walked out of the house I walked out of the house turned my phone on I was walking started getting paranoid seeing all these cars around me driving really fast then slow turning weird too many cars on this little street and then I look above I see a black helicopter I'm like that's weird it's really low and then I see all these cars swarm me. And they're like, get on the ground. Get on the fucking ground. S- set my sidekick down. Because there's a sidekick. <laughs> it shows you the date that was happening. <laughs> set my sidekick on its face. Put my hands up. I'm like, how did you find me? 
They're putting my hand behind my back, and they're like, you'd be surprised what cell phones do. And they took my sidekick, and they, on the sidewalk, and they broke it. They slid it really hard. I thought they would probably want to use it for evidence. They were rude. They were rude. Well, I think they had enough evidence. I was on probation, and I was running from them. So I was just lucky I didn't have any drugs on me. I got a new charge. Yeah, actually, you've stated that, that you're actually considering, like, even the night in the in the desert could have been a lot worse, considering. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse, you know, so. Um, Marcel mm-hmm. was the, was the mm-hmm. one that was, no, which one was the, uh, mm-hmm. who was the one that was killed? It was uh, Cook. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever, I've never seen this asked, did you, have you made peace with his family, or is it, is it gone? I tried. We, we have talked. gone to his grave or anything? Or? Uh, I think no. that would be disrespectful to the family. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Um, they know. They tell everybody that they know it wasn't me, mm. but of course they're angry. Right. I would be angry too. I'd be angry at everybody involved. Be angry at at his friend for bringing him there. I would hate. I would. Do, I would be so mad. I'd be so angry and disappointed and sad. I totally understand. I really genuinely do. I'm very remorseful for it. Um, right. There's nothing I can do. I've apologized, you know. I didn't even know who that was, that person. Oh, there were guys that you had no idea who they were? No, the only person I knew was Marcel. You know, it's, it's, I just, except for the people I was with, you know, obviously, but. Marcel was my friend in high school. Right. You know, he was a friend of mine. That was the stupidest thing that could ever have happened. Why? And everybody's level, and everybody that showed up is thinking that right now because two of the other people that were with me right now are in prison for other things. I going to ask you what happened to the rest of the people. One person is clean now. He's a really good person. That's awesome. From... The thing with my side, other two, when they're not on drugs, are great people. But they did two, two separate things, two different prisons, two different states. They're in right now because of drugs. And that's exactly, I'm not trying to be a dork and be like, oh, you don't do that. You're going to end up, literally, that's what's going to happen. Especially if you live in a town like Las Vegas. Do not do drugs. Um, when you were in and you started writing your, when you started putting the record together in your head, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm fascinated by, uh, there was a quote you've said, you said in our stories, you said in other interviews, where you said that you were singing the lyrics hushed, like soft breath, and you couldn't, you couldn't sing, like if you sang, because people, people, some people were already like, oh, you're a rock star. Mm-hmm. So, do they have a nickname for you, by the way? Do they call you? Rock star. That was your nickname. All the blacks. I'd be like, hey, hey, yo, rock star. That's what they call me. I'm like, stop calling me that. God. And there's nothing you can do because it sticks. Because then everybody calls you that. Even the COs. You know, so. So, so you were singing, the, you were, you were, you were, and you were talking about, you started playing the record on your, on your legs and. Yeah. Pick up the phone. And you were doing this. Answer your text, huh? And you were doing this in solitary confinement. 
and they and they say and one of the things in the torture things about solitary confinement is if, if you're already mentally like uh, it'll it'll drive you insane. It can drive people insane. Yeah, it made me crazy in a sense of I made a great record. There's a quote. It's a great quote. Yeah. There was supposed to be new material out then that you're supposedly you've said. Yes, and that's in the magazine. Okay. Um, so. Uh, but but the part of it was that you've talked about like oh I've got like thirty or twenty or million songs still left over from when I did in prison, but would you even use that material because it's kind of like wouldn't that just now start to represent your past? Um, I'm sorry, the the skeletons of the songs, are okay, too too good to okay throw away. But the the lyrics can change. Some of the lyrics can't change because they're too good. There's some that are too good. There's reflects about my past, present, and future. It's like Eminem did recovery. He's, right. talk, he's, he's still talking about drugs, but he's still talking about not doing drugs. And it's one of the most inspiring things that I've ever seen. Like how that dude can get clean. If he can get clean, then anybody can get clean. Right? True. I mean, True. you know, uh, he, he, you notice a change in him because now he's doing interviews all of a sudden. And now he's playing shows. Right. Which he didn't before. Coming out of the shell, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure uh, Nascent was basically your right-hand person in putting the band together originally. True? Uh, yeah. True. Mm. Are you friends with him still? Uh, there's yeah. a distance between us. Okay, yeah. Has, I kind of caught that in one of the interviews. Like, they're like really tight. and then uh, his, yeah. his lifestyle choices are not what I, I can't. I okay. can't live with that. So there was a lot of people that were supposedly like like this the the, the twenty stories is that there was a lot of people that were supposedly in the band while you were and then you got out and you started realizing that people were uh -huh. just saying it to be associated with you. And it really made me mad. They're trying to add themselves in to the the band, and I was like, first of all, I said you can try out. I didn't say you're in the band. Don't go put it on the website. <laughs> I don't even know you. Please stop using my name. You know, come on, man. I by the way, before I forget, we and I, we just can we move on from uh, the prison stuff. I did not know this, but supposedly O.J. Simpson was in your prison. Uh -huh. Never saw him, but I but I've heard talks about him. I heard he's got a really big head. Literally, his head's like huge. And his body's small. Size of a football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, the uh, no, there was a great, great quote where you talk about the fact that. Um, you were shocked because when you got out, you were actually bigger than when you went in. As, crazy. A, as a person, like crazy. As, a, as a as a well, as a musician, as a celebrity, as a yeah. Uh, obviously, I shouldn't be too shocked. I was more culture shocked and um, intimidated by modern society. But right. I was shocked about everywhere I went in Vegas. Everywhere, I could not leave the house. People found out where I lived, came over to my house. Knocked on my door and sat outside on the sidewalk. I'm like, I'm just an indie on an indie label. Like, I was on an indie label. The record didn't do a million records. Why are people treating me like I sold a million records? I sold a lot of tracks, you know. 700 sold, and some thousand singles or something like that, right? Uh -huh, 700 and some thousand singles, just under 200,000 copies of the album sold. Around 180, something like that, which Craig Mabbitt says that I'm lying about, yeah, that's... which is actually accurate. You know, I saw it. Brett Gerwitz showed it to me. Sound scan is not going to lie. You know, sometimes they do, though. 
or not them, but right the bands, you know, on tour. There is a lot of back and forthism still going on, but it seemed like Robert had made a statement that was kind of, you know, like like we wish him the best and blah blah blah. When everybody starts making those kind of comments, it seems like the attorneys and managers and stuff are trying to get everybody to calm down and just shut uh-huh. up at that point. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of feel like it's going in that thing, or do you think it's still? Players? I try to make a I try to make a New Year's resolution, and I tweeted about it. I said. I don't want anybody to make fun of Craig on my timeline, and if you do, I will stop following or I'll block you. That's he, what that tweet was about. And, he, and then he okay. said, "Oh, thanks, man," but then he got on stick cam <laughs> and started t- making fun of me with like the singer of Attack Attack and motionless, motionless and White's ex guitar player and stuff like that. It really bothers me, man. People wonder why I'd, I'm like, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool, you know." Fuck you. People wonder why. Don't get on the stick cam with like all of your friends and talk crap about me after right. I let, put my hand out and say it's over. It's very, very disrespectful. In a, in a, in a, you've talked so much in all the interviews. Now it's, 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 it's it seems like something that you, you, you purposely want to make sure everybody understands about you is that, that, You've gone, you've gone through, and it's changed you for the better. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a totally different person. You're on a totally different path now. Yeah. It's positive for you, et cetera. But as with somebody that maybe had gone through rehab, there is also the um, official stamp of approval or a trademark, I should say, of being somebody who was either an addict or in prison or whatever uh-huh. and being a rock musician uh-huh. it's like it takes you to a whole like whoa like that's like we're, we're fans we'll sit there and go oh no this person's a rebel this yeah. person's like this makes him even edgier yeah it makes him even cooler i mean is there that kind of like bittersweet part to that where it's just like i do it all over again just for that for the what you just said because nobody's iconic anymore nobody and it, and except for lady gaga she's turning into that i'm talking about in the genres. It's just all mushing together to me. There's no substance anymore. Everything sounds identical. Trying to separate. And I think a lot of bands say that, but they don't know how to. Mm. And I don't know how, I didn't know how to either. It just happened. I got set apart from other people because of my story. So we're going to take our second music break and let's talk about Falling in Reverse material. Tell me the song that is most misunderstood by fans, and mm, how. That's a good question. Wow. Um, All of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Drug of Me Is You. People think it's about a girl. It's about myself looking in the mirror and singing to myself. And tell me this, the second song would be, tell me the song that's changed the most from when you were playing it on your knees to when you got onto this record? The Drug Amusio. The same thing. How mm-hmm. has it changed? Chorus. Okay, but I need a second song, so I need something different. Okay, okay sorry. Um, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, uh, tell me, so, the, so, so fans know, how did the chorus change? Um, it used to be um, faster. It wasn't dent. It used to be... I heard a knock upon my door the other day. Like it was faster, so it's now. You're knocking on my door the other day. Do, do, you know. 
mm-hmm. changed totally. It used to be a really punky punk song. It's your, it's your background. Yeah. It's part of your DNA. Yeah. Pop punk will always be part of your DNA, I think. Forever. Um, forever. Um, yeah. So then what, what was, like, give me another song that maybe, um, that, that changed a lot from when you first imagined it. Raised by Wolves. Okay. How? Uh, the beginning was the same. The pre-chorus definitely changed. Um, the chorus wasn't a dance beat, like a that type of beat. It was more straightforward beat. And we turned it, I was like, what if we add the hi-hats, like the dance beat, and put a, a dance thing under it? And they're like, we can try that, but that's weird because there's an insane breakdown in the middle, like dancey, you know, I was like, let's do it, let's try it. And then it turned into that. And it's one of my favorites now. I heard a knock upon my door the other day. I opened it to find a staring in my face. And still reverberates Everywhere I go I drag this coffin Just in case
sleep while my feet are leaving the ground Am I dead or am I dreaming instead? A cornucopia of opiates are flooding my head I'm insane, I am smart All it takes is a spark to ignite my bad intentions And do what I do best through your heart Don't be fooled, I was raised by the wolves Now the moon hates it fools So you know I won't play by the years from now and you got a son mm -hmm. and, and you're a survivor and the band's going great and maybe you're a producer now and who knows what else and and he and it's that moment where he's like maybe seven or something and he's starting to lick he can comprehend what the hell you're talking about mm -hmm. and you have him on your knee what would you tell him about life like <sighs> rule a such, rule to life such a good question um don't ever let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. Unless, you know, um, I'll never make him do a certain thing. You know, he's free forever. 
um, and whatever his mind comes across is what he what he wants, whatever he wants, not whatever he has to do when it comes to a sense of what he wants to be, you know, just tell him that you can do whatever you want to do forever. Yeah. So he makes his own choices, so it's not forced. If he wants to be a Christian, he can be a Christian. I'm not going to make him be a Christian, you know. Wants to be a musician? He can. You usually always become musicians when their dad's a musician. <laughs> you know, they always. True. It's true. So you wouldn't be able, so if he was going to play an instrument, what instrument would you hope he would be playing? I would hope he would start with piano because that's the basis of everything. I play piano, played for a long time. Hmm. You learn how to sing in key because you're usually in piano, you know. Um, right. It's just the basis and then. Hopefully he jumps on guitar, then he goes to drums, and bass, and he just he's just singing, and he's a little Paul Paul McCartney, you know. <laughs> it it would help if he had the estate to go with it. I mean, like yeah, you know, geez. yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Um, <clears throat> this record, uh, you know, there, there's that there's there's that saying that that the a music, a, there's. A, I find it so funny when, when we have guests here and we talk about the very first EP they put out and they don't want to talk about it anymore. They're like, no, I don't. Uh, are you ever going to reissue it? Nope. Nope. It's buried. Not going to happen. And it's usually because that's the record where they, it was like their homage to their idol. It really wasn't them. It was the one that they did where they wanted to emulate their idol. <clears throat> so like-minded with this record, do you think there's that with the new material you're going to be working on and like the like the... Like, do you kind of feel like this record was like the the vent record? It was like the, you know, it was like the one where you had to get it all out of your system. And so now falling in reverse as much as like a sound is going to be evolving even more because mm -hmm. you kind of like, you've gotten it all off of your chest, so yeah. to speak. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, lyrically, but I'm even thinking musically. Like musically? You, uh, I'll never <clears throat> alienate the fans. A lot of bands tend to do. Then they fall. And then, because the, they alienate them. They they force them because that's just not the music they want to hear. Right. Uh, I think fans just want to hear the catchiest choruses possible with the most clever lyrics. Something different as well, but it'll always evolve. But I will never, mark my words, I'll never um, sacrifice the music for any type of money or make make I'll just make sure that the choruses are always there you, you know? are you worried at all about the music industry does it mean because I mean you have a label you have great management you know you've got you've got a solid fan base so you're kind of insulated but you still worried at all about no no I think that uh everybody's a survivor so the, we'll learn how to we'll make it everybody survives for the most part there's a great quote, <clears throat> a couple great quotes that I found that I wanted to bring up. Um, one is about retribution, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, this American writer, uh, Eric Hoffer, said, uh, Retribution often means that we eventually do to ourselves what we have done unto others. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and, and so do you... Do you it's amazing. Um, do you kind of feel like... Um, just because I want to, I want to finish this up. But this, this, 
this 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 ongoing thing with with the guys in the old band do you kind of think that this is just like eventually this is kind of boomerangs back into everybody's faces in a way oh. like keeping that alive and keeping that that as in whose faces I don't know it's kind of like if they say something about you it just comes back and hits them again you know what I mean it's yeah like, and then if I say something about them it comes back and it makes me feel like shit oh okay you know like if I say something mean on like the record after I did made the record I was so angry before made the record it came out just the whole world lifted off my shoulders it felt oh I'm right I'm, like I had to got to say because I, <laughs> I watched the kids sing every lyric so it makes me happy you know and they sing it with passion but now when I'm like twittering I can't twitter anymore I need mittens that's what my label says I need these metal mittens chastity mittens I can't tweet anymore because I'm so uncut and raw and it's rude I should be more professional you know, so it does. Whatever they say is going to come back on their face for sure. But at the same time, I've also read and you've said that you're starting to kind of, um, you know, when it's when a singer or somebody or a bassist or somebody gets got kicked out of a band, they go through the phase where they're like, yeah, if you have them and screw that, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. But then there's that phase where maybe they start to kind of accept it and kind of go, you know, that maybe it was better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and there was, and so it sounds like you've been trying to like forgive people. I'm trying, but it's hard when, when it's hard when they're like, yeah, okay. And then they talk shit. Fuck that guy. This right. next song's <clears throat> called Situations. It's not even my song, but I'm going to, it's his <laughs> song. I'm going to talk shit about him on stage and then sing his song. Really? Really? Come on, man. You still have the two turtles? I have the two turtles, Jack Bauer and Broccoli. Brock Lee Sampson is his full name. If somebody was going to go get a turtle, what should they know about before owning a turtle? Well, I bought these two turtles, and the shop wasn't taking care of them. They had them in this much water. So I brought them home and had them in that much water in fear that they would drown, realizing my girlfriend is very intelligent, looked it up, and they have to have this much water because they swim through it. So do your research on turtles. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you know, do your research. And you have a dog named Terror? Not anymore. Well, no. Um, you did. Derek moved out. He moved into his own place. Oh. It was Derek's dog. Derek found Terror at Taco Bell. And the dog looks like the Taco Bell dog. <laughs> Chihuahua? And, yeah, and he does cartwheels when he pees. He just, it's, I know, I sound like a liar, but he literally does cartwheels when he pees. And uh, and you and you've got rules now, and because of this whole thing that happened with um, Micah, the uh -huh. bassist, and like you don't want fans over the house, you don't want people like you want your privacy now. Yeah, finally, jeez, I have privacy now. I never there was like seven people living in a three bedroom apartment, and I was paying for all of it. So then I, now it's like just me, and I'm like, I'm on the couch naked now, not really, but. So wow, I didn't know that everybody was out of the house yeah. now. That was yeah. just wow. That's cool. Everybody's doing their thing on uh, their own. Yeah, it's ha it makes me happy. Um, <clears throat> uh, what would be? Um, <laughs> I I gotta ask this because I'm just curious, just because. But you did say I'm kind of going through like a lot of piecemeal leftover things. But you said at one point that a lot of the stuff on these um, um, locked up shows and stuff like that, I mentioned you'd see over the weekend, and that these prison shows are fabricated. Uh, not the lockup. Oh, the, okay. Like, like Oz. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, those yeah, yeah. are fabricated. Yeah, well, yeah, because those are scripted shows. Lockup, that's my favorite show. Oh, my God. 
I love it. I it, love watching it. Isn't it kind of like like a Vietnam thing where you just you can't watch it because you're gonna have flashbacks? No, I love it for some reason. It's so interesting because I like connect. I see what's going on. I'm like, yep, yeah, yeah. It's like I know all about it already. You figured out before it's gonna happen. Like I know how the cops are all faking it. Like yeah, you ain't really like that, man. When that camera shuts off, you're a fucking asshole. You know, you know what I mean. So. <laughs> <laughs> how involved are you in the band's merch um, design? Like anything? Oh or man, you... all the way. I have, I have all. I have to make sure. I made the pillowcases idea. They're sold out. I had the booty shorts. Mrs. Radke, we were going bananas over that. <laughs> you know, um, the the designs. There's a really great artist that that we work with. He does all the design, design designs. Um, he just throws me ideas, and and, and he's, I'm like, there, I want that one, and then I just pick them out of the lineup. Um, last question. Um, if you if you could have all of your fans in this room right now, somehow, it would be impossible, but if, if you could have all your fans in this room, <clears throat> the ones that have been with you this whole time, is there something that would be, that from the bottom of your heart that you would say to them? I would probably start crying. I haven't cried in a long time, too. When I got sentenced to prison, I didn't cry. I didn't cry the whole time. I tried to. I didn't. I'd probably start crying, tearing up, tearing up. <laughs> like the one on your you, I, Actually I thought you said you, That you broke down uh, uh, Coming out of prison Yeah When Max picked you up Or no, no was Not it, Max It was um, Nason Nason yeah sorry I I teared up I never was like Ugh. Okay But That was Intense though That's why You know I teared right. up a little bit It was like But Because They Popular belief Was like To turn on me I think It was People were like, he's terrible. But they were like, no, he's not terrible. He made a mistake. He shouldn't have done that. So it was more like, it's like sad. It's like not sad, it's like happy sadness, you know? Right. I'd give them all free shirts. <laughs> <laughs> they may hold you to that. I think your merch company's going to be really pissed off at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's obvious that you're going to have a great year ahead, and uh, uh, and I it's probably very true that um, I think they always kind of say it about, especially with politicians and celebrities and so forth, that America is a place of, of wanting people to have second chances. Yeah, so, build you up, break you down, to build you up. Right, right. So, um, it's and you know I just wish you the best of luck. From not just this year, but from going forward. It's, Thank you very much. There's, you know, and you've said yourself, there's plenty of reasons why you probably shouldn't be here right now. Plenty of reasons. So, yeah. for, uh, you know, uh, and, and you're here because of what you've done. Yeah. I thank God. Because of. Or not, or thank, thank. Uh, <laughs> whichever, whichever one, whichever one that's, that that's you right. think, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. AP Podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. 
For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Rob Bertenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP. 